0: We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Suite C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Good morning, good morning. Um, Welcome to Calvary Chapel Divine in divine texas and I'm Pastor Michael Petit. We want to thank you all for tuning in online and also for being here in person. Uh you're hopefully I I'm sure I'll probably get comments about the the glass now or the TV. And all but we move things around a little bit because next week we're actually going to have worship on the TV and worship online and everything will be finally moving in the direction it's supposed to be moving um and so at 10 o'clock we will start worship and start our broadcast and everything will will be uh will be ready and so we actually you know praise god we were able to actually get a a computer a little macbook for the um uh for the church and and one of our other churches donated a uh, pro presenter for us and and so we were just really blessed by that and so um Uh, We're going to be in the book of Mark today, in the book of Mark, we'll be in chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and uh, I'm not sure if we'll get through all of it. I actually entitled it, A Messenger Prepares the Way for the Promised King, and I I put part 1 because I think we're going to break it up in two parts, uh, because I want to make sure uh, that we get everything that We need to get out of it. So uh, Wednesday night Bible study at 7 o'clock. Uh, it's, uh, we're still in the book of Nehemiah. We're halfway through chapter 3. I think we stopped at verse 15 or 16 uh, last week. So hopefully uh, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday you can make it out. And and also just, uh, you know, we would love to hear from you. If you need prayer or you need anything uh, from myself, you can get a hold of us online at calvarydivine.org at calvarydivine.org and you can also do your tithe and your giving through there as well. Uh, and, and we leave that up to you. That's between you and the Lord. And so uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, get into the book of Mark chapter 1 and we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, and then we'll pray. Uh, we see it that in, in verse 1 it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, as it was written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, makes his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his, his waist and ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, "After me comes he, is, uh, he uh, comes he who is mightier than I, uh, the strap of, of whose sandal I'm, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie." I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. We do pray uh, for this message as we uh, start this book, uh, the book of Mark. We pray, uh, Father God, just for uh, this town, uh, for divine. Uh, one of the things that I see a lot of is is just a lot of people not in church. Uh, you know, we see a lot of people out and about and Uh, we pray that they would return, uh, return back to church, return back to you, a relationship with you. If they don't know you, Lord, we pray that they would come to know you. We pray for peace in this town and unity. Uh, We also just pray, uh, Father God, for our leaders, uh, for the mayor and the city council and the chamber of commerce, and and we just pray for our nation. Uh, Right now, Lord, we see uh, just so many different things that are going on as we talk about The false teachings and the false prophets and just things that are out there uh, today, Lord. I pray that we would um, be able to to glean uh, from your word, uh, look for application and that we would stand firm in the faith. We pray for the marriages and also for the families. We just ask, Lord, that you just continue to bless us. Again, Lord, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us uh through you and, and through your word. And we just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. So we are in the book of Mark, chapter one, and I entitled this A Messenger Prepares the Way for the Promised King, and it's part one. We're gonna look at it in, in uh in three parts. We're gonna look at it in uh verses one through three, the prophecy and the and we'll kinda go over an intro of the book of Mark. And then verses uh, 4 through 6, which is proclaim the message of repentance. And then the last part in verses 7 and 8, the promise of the coming Messiah. Uh, one of the things that we really need to do is just kind of get an idea about the book of Mark. Uh, who wrote the book? Uh, they, a lot of people believe uh, that, jet, that John Mark wrote the book. And, and as we look at that, it was John, Mark, and it was the testimony was given actually by the Apostle Peter. And, and so Mark uses the word immediately and at once throughout the book. Now, as, uh, as men, this is probably one of the most action-packed books in the Bible. I love it. It's, it's right to the point. It doesn't, doesn't mix, mix or mince words. Um, it, it has a, a specific audience, and, and it deals with that time of Jesus that, uh, uh, from his ministry, and it deals with Jesus as a suffering servant. And so what we do know is Mark would have been about 12 years old when Jesus was crucified. Uh, the other thing that we also know is that, that Peter wrote about Mark. Uh, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, it says... Um, uh, she who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greed, and, and so does Mark, my son. And so you see Peter, almost like the relationship that, that, um, that Paul had with Timothy, Peter had with Mark. Now Mark would have been hanging out at his, his, uh, at his uncle's house and, and, and hung out at Mary's house, which was kind of Grand Central Station for the, uh, for the early church. That's where everything kind of happened at Mary's house. And, and whose, whose brother is Mary? That's Barnabas. And so we see Barnabas uh, and them hanging out. Uh, so so you can imagine this kid at 12 years old around the apostles, around the early church. John Mark would have been growing up with this. And Acts chapter 12, verse 12 says, When he realized he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. So Mark would have grown up really in the church, the early church. We also know that, that John Mark actually went on a missionary trip with, with Paul and Barnabas. In Acts chapter 12, verses 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, who was, uh, whose other name was Mark. And then we also know that he assisted them. Now see, we we always know about the split that happens with John Mark, right? With Paul and and, uh, Barnabas, but we don't know the other part of it, which is in Acts 13.5. It says when they arrived at Salamis, they, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them, John Mark. So he was actually helping. And... And so he was part of the missionary work that was happening. But they got to an area in Pamphylia where things were rough. It would have been like going to the worst part of the country, maybe Chicago, and trying to be a missionary there. And, and John Mark flaked out and went home. And so in Acts 13.13, 13, we see now Paul is, and his companions set sail from uh, Pathos and, and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left him and returned to Jerusalem. So he was like I can't do this, I'm going home. You know, and, and and that's one thing that we need to remember. I was telling somebody this week, now this could have just been immaturity, he was a young kid. You know, he probably would have been eighteen, nineteen, twenty around this time. He's a kid. And so it could be just maturity. He flaked out, it happens. I always tell people when we do missions trips or we do men's retreats or women's retreats or our conferences people are going to flake out and not go that happens it's that battle between the flesh and the spirit or something happens where they can't get out of work all of that happens and so it's very important that we understand that when we look at John Mark one of the things that we need to remember with John Mark is, is that that God wasn't done with him and see a lot of times what we think is that when we look at the, the the we look at John Mark one of the things that we think of is that we we think that well he's he's immature he's done right and 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 God's not done with him we see in in Acts fifteen thirty six, he tries to go again to the next missionary trip and Acts 15 verse 36 and it says and after some days Paul said to Barnabas let us return and visit our brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. And now Barnabas wanted to take with him, John called Mark, but Paul thought it was best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with uh, them to work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated each other and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. So what happens is now Barnabas is wanting to take John Mark and, and, and there's this, this strong disagreement between Paul and Barnabas at this point and they go separate ways. Now, Barnabas continues to minister to John Mark. This is very important because a lot of times people throw people away and say, well, they're done. They're done with ministry, right? Right. But we see that Barnabas continued to minister to John Mark, and we know that he ended up becoming a huge help with Peter. And so John begins to mature, and he became just he was there with not only Peter, but he was also there with Paul when Paul was in jail in Rome. And so not only a son for Peter, but look what it says, and and, and so their relationship had changed with Paul. In 2 Timothy four eleven, it says Luke. Alone is with me, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry so you see paul and and mark had had worked out their differences, and then this is the beauty of it. Mark penned the book of Mark in a d sixty three actually considered the first book of the of the new testament and and it 's written to a roman audience right it 's written to a roman audience it 's written to Uh, an audience that that what I love about Rome is that you have to get straight to the point with them. They didn't have time for... They didn't want to hear a bunch of stuff. They just wanted you to get to the point. And, And it reminds me a lot of New Yorkers. That's how New Yorkers are. They're just like, get to the story. What are you trying to say? You know They're very impatient. And so Mark, when he wrote the book of Mark, that's why when you read the book of Mark, so as we go through this book the Jewish customs are actually explained in detail. Why? The Romans wouldn't have cared to know about this stuff. Like before Christ, they wouldn't have cared. But because they know the Lord now, they need to learn what these Jewish customs were and so they can understand them. So he goes into great detail about those. And so we know that that Mark is one of the synoptic Gospels, the other two being Luke and, and Matthew. John is kind of unique on its own because it's it's considered the most theological of the gospels uh, accounts of Christ. But one of the things that we can get from all four gospels, and we'll be pulling from each of the gospels, uh, we'll be pulling from each of the gospels as we go through the book of Mark, is they're like different camera angles. That's the easiest way to explain the synoptic gospel. It's a fancy word, right? But just look at it as they're different eyewitness accounts. They're different camera angles. And, and we, get, we get different parts of, of, of what's happening uh, uh, from the life of Christ in each one. And so Matthew writes to a, a Jewish audience and he, he deals with the tribe of Judah, the King Lion. And, and Matthew's Gospel is, is, is actually connecting. It's the one that connects the Old Testament uh, to the Jewish Messiah. Luke's theme is, is the Son of Man, fully God, fully man. And his genealogy, so Matthew and Luke both have genealogies in it. And Matthew or Luke's genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. All the way back to Adam. But one of the things that, that Luke emphasizes is, is fully God, fully man, the humanity, the humanity of Christ. And and one of the things he also deals with more than any of the the Gospels is Luke shows the prayer life of Jesus in his Gospel. We look at at the book of John, and and John's Gospel is Jesus always preexisted. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and, and so, what we see is that there was always pre-existing. He always was here. He was eternal. He is eternal. And so, it, it lays out the, the seven I am statements, which go back to who do you say that I am, right? Who, who's, who's, who do I say sent me? When Moses asks, he says, I am. And then the book of Mark brings us to Jesus' servanthood, the suffering servant. And his focus is going to be one, not so much on a theological background, but one based upon Jesus, the anointed one, and the service. So he's going to be showing a lot of what Jesus did as a suffering servant. And so as we look at this, we start off right off the bat, and, and I love this because in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, "...the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God." The gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so Christianity just is not just some doctrinal beliefs or teachings. It's actually the person of Christ. See, Buddha, Mormons, Islam, those are just teachings. I can remove Joseph Smith or Buddha or Muhammad out of those teachings, and guess what? They're still teachings. But if I try to remove Christ out of the gospel, I can't do that. You can't take Christ out of Christianity. You don't have anything to build. It's built upon the person of Jesus Christ. In John 14, uh, verses 6 and 7, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know, you do know Him, and I have seen Him. He says, I am the way. And without Christ, we have no faith. The heart of the gospel, Jesus Christ is the true Son of God. And unfortunately, what we see is as we talk about those other teachings, people are being pulled away from the Lord. Uh, Their relationships, uh, I just read about somebody from Desiring God just walked away from the faith, a Ph.D. in theology. And, and so, you know, we don't, we don't want to see that, but... We know in Matthew 17, verse 13 and 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And we're seeing that happening today. There's a great great uh, pulling away of, of people from the church. See, religion is man's attempt to make himself acceptable to a holy God. But the narrow gate leads to life, and He makes us acceptable. Few find the road because they're not willing to accept God's way uh, to obtain eternal life. There's only one way. And so when we read the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in John 5, verse 18, it says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he, call, was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So that's why Mark starts off as saying, Jesus, the Son of God. Because this was something Jesus said all the time throughout, his, throughout the Gospels. You see it all the time. And unfortunately, the Jewish, when when the Jews believe, even till today, uh, they believe that the Messiah that's going to come is going to be like Moses, and rebuild the temple, and then come into the come into the temple, and actually the Jews are being fooled because that's actually the Antichrist. See, this is why it's important to understand Scripture, and know who Jesus is. They're going to miss the boat just like. The Jewish the Jewish leaders did then. Deuteronomy eighteen verse fifteen says, The Lord your God will raise up uh, for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, and it is him you shall listen. Matthew seventeen five says he was still speaking when he, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And he came in the Father's name. He is the Son of God, and that's what Mark is declaring here. And, and and so Peter, Peter even declares that Moses' words were fulfilled by Jesus. So I don't understand, like if 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 the Jewish, the Jews now today would read Acts chapter three verse twenty-two, they would know that the Messiah was Jesus, because Peter said it. He says Moses, the Lord will raise up for you. A prophet like me from your uh, from your brothers, you shall listen to him, and whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people and Peter is talking about the perfect mediator he's talking about Jesus Christ at that moment, tying in the other scripture in John chapter eight verses twenty two it says, so the Jews said we uh, Jews said, well, he kill himself since he says where, uh, where I'm going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world and I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And, 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 and that, that he is in italics is just an important thing to remember because he's saying for you, if you believe that I am, right? That I am. That's the same thing that Moses said in Exodus 3.14. God said, Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's why we spend... Those seven statements in the book of John on the I am statements, they're tying in to God. Same thing with this scripture in John. It says, For unless you believe that I am Messiah, that Jesus is, is the one that can forgive your sins. There's no other way. The Son of God. And see a lot of people... Sadly, a lot of people believe a lot about Jesus Christ, but they're not going to make it to heaven. Think about that just for a second. How many people do you actually know that know stuff about Jesus, but won't make it to heaven? Because they haven't chosen to follow Him. They haven't chosen to ask for forgiveness of sins. We have so many people that are being, that that take and twist Jesus into their religion when it's not really the Jesus of the Bible. It's one that they've made up. And so we have a lot of false teachers out there. The Muslims believe that Jesus was one of the many thousand prophets, that He was just a good teacher. They don't believe He was crucified. The Mormons believe that Jesus was Lucifer, Uh, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, that Jesus was just a created being, that He's one of three gods. That's wrong, right? Jehovah's Witnesses believe that that he was something that God created. That that a, that he was resurrected, and we'll talk about this next week as we talk about um, the wonderful uh, belief of 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 um, I'm trying to think of it as Hindu. Somebody give it to me. Reincarnation. We're going to talk about that next week because people believe that, and here you know JWs teach that. Basically, Michael's resurrected is actually teaching that he's he's reincarnated into Jesus, which is those are all false teachings. But there's a false teaching that's happening now that's that's happening in progressive Christianity. Throughout Austin there are signs that are going up, and throughout the country there are signs that are going up saying that we believe in this house, Black Lives Matter. Women's rights are human's rights. No human is illegal. Love is love. And science is real. And those are being put up in people's yards right now. And if you don't put one up in your yard, you're racist. Now, what well, we can also read in Matthew 17, uh, 7, verses 15-20, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Right now, we have a lot of people in the church that are ravenous wolves, that, that believe in this mess. Look, any one of those statements without without the the stuff that goes behind it, you know, it, it, honestly, women's rights are human rights, but they're, they're talking about the abortion. That's actually something that, that, that Hillary Clinton, that was one of her her campaign slogans. Black Lives Matter, that lady just bought a $1.4 million home in California, in a white neighborhood. None of the money went to Chicago, Minneapolis, Wisconsin. None of the money went to the families. And we're telling people... In this house, I believe this. It's a form of religion. Love is love. That's the LGBTQ. That's actually a campaign that they came out with. You know, you want to talk about love is love, and, and, and honestly, they don't want to honestly deal with the Scriptures, because the Scriptures tell you that anything outside of marriage that is relations outside of marriage is a sin it, it is i'd be I'd be misleading you if I didn't tell you that. The last one being science is real. It's only real when you want to believe it, because I can prove that you're either male or female at the moment of conception. It can be proven. The science there is there to back it up, but you don't want to go with that because you want to say. There are some males that are females. All of this stuff is being preached upon and and infiltrating in the church. And the church better wake up because this is what progressive progressive Christianity is. You have people that actually voted to back this stuff up and they were calling themselves Christians. It's, It's wrong. And when I read Matthew 7 verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's, clothes, uh, sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. It's like we have to be very careful about what we support and what we stand by. What we need to be standing with is God's Word. We don't need to get involved in all that stuff. I don't need to put a sign in my house to tell you that I believe in God. You know, I, I, that's where my beliefs are. In this house, we follow the Lord. That's what we do. And so we have to be very careful. In Matthew 24, 11, it says, And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Is that happening today? Yes. Big time. Big time. See, a lot of people will believe in Jesus Christ, but they're on that wide road. Will they make it to heaven? I don't know. They're on that wide road. We need to be aware of the facts, and so sheep's clothing. What that means is to be aware of is these individuals will actually dress themselves like sheep, and they'll actually act like they're narrow gate people. They can talk the language. And they'll identify themselves as 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 having some biblical standing, but what they do is eventually they try to pull you away from the church. And that's, that's what happens when those Mormons and those JWs come knocking at your door, the ravenous wolves, because they believe something that is wrong about Jesus Christ. And that's why Mark starts the book off saying, the Son of God. Like, we have to establish that from the very get-go. And you know what I love about that verse? In John 1.1, 1, 1, he hits all of that in one verse. And it took John 18 verses to explain that. And Mark hit it in, in one, one shot. John 10, verse 3 and 5 says, Do we need to be on guard? Yes, but true sheep know the voice of my shepherd. It's important that you know his word. We know in John 1.14, it's, it's when we talk about Mark 1.1, where it talks about him being the son of God, John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of only the Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Mark laid that out in one verse. In verse 2 it says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepares the way of the Lord and makes this path straight. And so John the Baptist, the one who prepares the way, the, the bridge between the Old and the New Testament. In Luke 16.16 16 it says, The law of the prophets were until John, since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. And so what what the, the messenger is, is the one who bridges the Old Testament to the New Testament in preparation for the Messiah. And who prepares the way? And we see two scriptures that are listed here. It actually says by the prophet Isaiah, but there's also in Malachi... Uh, so, as it says, as it is written in, the, in Isaiah the prophet, right? But we see in Malachi 3.1, in Malachi 3.1 it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you, will, uh, you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant, and the whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then we see the other verse that is tied into this is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Isaiah 40, verse 3. And so uh, it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the, uh, prepare the way of the Lord. Make, it, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And so we see those two, two um, scriptures that tie into this. And he's preparing the way. Uh, preparing the way of repent, uh, repentance. He's, he's telling people they need to repent. And, and preparing the way for the Lamb of God. And so the, the, you know, at this time, there would have been considered 400 years of silence, but there was nothing silent about it. If you ever study prophecy, you can <laughs> just look at the book of Daniel, you'll see the, the rise and fall of many empires that, that Daniel said was going to happen. You know, it's, and it happened exactly the way God said it would. And to the point where they have the Romans where they're at so that way Jesus could come and the Pax Romana and so the temple there was uh, you know the return they, they, they've had 400 years of silence and the last thing they heard was in Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6 it says behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of of fathers to their children and hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come to strike the land and decree and utter dis, uh, destruction. And so between the time of Malachi and the coming Messiah, there were many prophecies that were fulfilled, and, and, and so we see they had 400 years to prepare to know this was the Messiah, and they still missed it. And that's what worries me now, is like when we think about Jesus' return, how many people are going to miss that? Right? Even the even those that, that know Jesus, but they're they're on that, that wide road. They had four hundred years and these were religious leaders that actually studied the word of God. And they missed the Messiah that was right in front of them. In Luke chapter twelve, verse thirty five, it says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. You need to be expecting the, the second coming of Christ. That it can happen at any time. And we, we need to be in the Word and not missing, missing the signs that are there. There, there, there. Man, if you study prophecy, end of times prophecy, you'll see that there are many things that are happening in the background that tie in that Jesus' return is getting very close. Jesus, this is one thing you need to remember. Jesus is not a story about a man Going about to prove he's God, but he's God coming to rescue his people in person. Okay? And that's the same thing for us to remember. We don't have to go around proving he's God. We have prophecy that's already done that. We can we can just go to the prophecy. We don't have to, but we know that God is coming to rescue his people in person, and guess what? God is going to come again. Jesus is returning. And we need to be ready and prepared for that and and, and if we have anything to, to, to get from this is is Marcus saying the Son of God, he, he's, he's preparing here's John preparing the way, and then as we get to verses six through eight, you're going to see that the Messiah is coming. Jesus is going to come from heaven to earth into these earthly, nasty bodies that we have, right? He was in heaven. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8 it kind of explains it the best. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of man being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to, uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross. And God is still trying to save His people to this day. Uh, God is still trying to get His message out to His people today. And so proclaiming the Gospel is something that we're supposed to be doing. and In verse 4, we see that John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all... The country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. And John came on the scene in Luke chapter 1, verses 5. We actually see his mom and dad in Zechariah, just to kind of give you an idea of how John is where he is. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the day, I'm just going to read this, and, and I love this verse because it's pretty self explanatory. <laughs> In the day Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child uh, child because Elizabeth was barren and both were in advanced years. Now while he was serving the priest before God when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by a lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So he was going to go in the holies of holies. And and this was a lifetime because they had so many different priests at this time, they did lots. So he could have, he could not won the lot and not went in. And so but here he's going into the holy of holies. Right? And, and he's going to go burn incense. And, and so we see, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by the lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And on a whole multitude, the people were praying outside at one hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel, Gabriel. Right? Gabriel. Of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zachariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. You can imagine, you're already scared going in there. It's the Holy of Holies. You can imagine he's like, oh, man. Right? But the angel said to him, Gabriel said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so here's where John the Baptist is, is, is going to, uh, the, the prophecy of John is going to happen here. And, and you will have, have a joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be a great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled. This is amazing. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. From the time he was born. It's amazing, right? And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And where he will go before him, the spirit and the power of Elijah. So remember we are saying they didn't know if it was Elijah or they didn't know if it's, if it's John. the ba- They're expecting someone else, but it's, it's John that was going to come. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of, of the just and to make ready the Lord's pe- uh, Lord and the people, pr- uh, people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife has advanced in years, and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent, unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zachariah. You can imagine they're probably thinking they're going to have to go get the rope and pull him out, right? And and they were wondering at, the, at his delay and he, when he came out, he was unable to speak and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And so Elizabeth conceived in verse 24, conceived uh, for five months and she kept herself hidden. And thus, uh, so we see that happens. And then we also see in Luke, 1, verses 40, it says, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, which is Mary. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we we also know that, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's how John comes. And so when he comes, he comes proclaiming in the wilderness. He comes uh, proclaiming, uh, repentance. He, he comes baptizing and preparing the way for the Lord and and um, and in the church. Sometimes I feel like you know we we even though we're here in divine, it may seem like the wilderness at times. And for me, that was one of the things I took from it. Is like uh, as we're in the wilderness, you know, there was no, you know, most people when they want to plant a church or they want to do something, they want to do it in the dominion. Or the rim, they want to go where the money's at, right? Or they want to go where the people are at, right? And, and here John is, he's in the wilderness baptizing people. He's not near any city. It was a 20 to 30 mile hike just to get to where he was at. And people were coming because why? God was bringing them. And God will bring people. And we have to get away from trying to entertain people and entice people to attend church, we, that's not what we're here to do. we're here to preach the word. And we see it every weekend. We can and, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, but I see Elevation and Hillsong and Bethel, and it's like these massive concerts and props, and then they flip the gospel at the last little bit. We don't have to do that. We just preach the word. We need to stop promising them health, wealth and prosperity. We need to stop telling them how woke your church is or how woke your pastor is. You need to stop hiding the truth from them. Stop trying to trick them into saying some prayer and telling them, oh, well, your family's going to have eternal life. You're going to have eternal life and you'll be with your family. No, you'll be with Jesus. But you have to repent first. That's what he's getting at. That's why he says, it's a, I'm proclaiming a baptism of repentance. For forgiveness of the sins. For forgiveness of sins. So he's saying repent, repent, repent. And that's the same thing that Peter said at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells it again in Acts chapter twenty-six and twenty-eight when he is in front of King Agrippa, and he says, "But declare first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also in the, uh, to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing the deeds." In keeping with their repentance. And we're going to read in a few weeks, then Jesus, the moment he starts his, his, uh, his ministry, the first thing he says in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at, is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent, repent, Repent. If the church doesn't get back to teaching repentance, we can't do all that other stuff. We have to get back to talking about the forgiveness of sins. That's the only way you get to heaven. Because you're a sinner, just like I was. We're sinners and we need, we need a Savior. And that's what Jesus was. And that's why Jesus says repent for the kingdom of god is at hand the only way you have forgiveness of sins is through jesus i'm not going to try to sucker you into saying some some prayer if you don't ask for repentance of your sins you have to admit that you're a sinner and the church has gotten away from this we have to we have to talk about the gospel of grace but the gospel of grace requires repentance and so if I tell you, you ask me, what are your thoughts on transgender? God created them male and female. That's in scripture. And it's also proven in science. And you go, I don't want to believe that. Well, that's that's on you then. Because you're choosing to believe in that stuff. You're choosing to back that stuff. And you can't do that. It's like at the end of the day, we have to give people the gospel. Look, I I sit here and I talk about transgender and I talk about LGBTQ and all that stuff, but I have nieces that have chosen to go that lifestyle. And I love on them. Let me tell you, if they ask me a question about the gospel, I I give them the scripture and and I allow God to do the work that needs to be done. It's between them and God. But I'm not going to sit and try to sucker them into coming and knowing Christ. I've got to let them know this is what the gospel says. This is what it says about, about that, that type of lifestyle. It's a sin. And, and what we've gotten away from is we've gotten away, we're trying to sugarcoat the gospel and, and act like it's candy, and we can't do that. The gospel, I, I just don't get how we got here. If Paul... Peter, John, Jesus are all saying repent. How did we get to where we're at? See, we we got to get back to the gospel and we have to start telling people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His second coming is is near. He is returning. We we cannot we can't stand away and 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 just We've gotten to the point where we're just not... We've gotten to... The church has gotten too much into entertainment. The church has gotten too much into uh, trying to be woke. We've got to get away from that stuff. We, got, we have the Gospels. We don't need anything else. We just preach the Word. We go to what God's Word says. That's what we do. That's why when John comes on the scene proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, that's what He's doing... He's preparing the way for Jesus. Peter, same thing. Repent. Why? He says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the the gift of the the Holy Spirit. You get the free gift of, of eternal life. But you have to repent. You have to repent. Now baptism real quick and we'll close up here. Baptism uh, is an inward sign of, of an outward change. And so it's not required for you to, uh, as a believer, like uh, if I haven't been baptized, I'm not going to go to heaven. That's that's not true because you can look at the thief on the cross. Next week we're going to deal with uh, some the, the second half of these verses. And we'll actually deal with, um, like I'm, we're going to talk about reincarnation because they thought that there was going to be someone uh, that was going to come like Elijah, or that was going to come uh, like Moses, and that was in Scripture. And so we're going to talk about that. So application for us this week, real simple. In Mark chapter 8, verse 29, it says, And, and he asked him, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ. We need to be able to answer that question. Like, if you can't answer that question, because John starts the gospel off of saying that this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you don't believe that, you need to find out why. You need to ask questions. You need to, you need to dive into the Word. Get a hold of me. Uh, I'll gladly try to help you, but you need to be able to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? Can you answer that? Can you answer that He is, he is Jesus Christ? Uh, Remember, Christianity is not just set on doctrinal beliefs or the teachings. It's set on the person of Christ. It's set on the person of Christ. So everything we do from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations deals with Jesus. And so you have to know who Jesus is. You have to know that you can't remove Jesus from the Gospels and still have the Gospels. Right? So you need to know that. Be able to answer that. So, Jesus is not a story about a man going about to prove he's God, but he's God coming to rescue the people in person. That's who Jesus is. Second, are we proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? Do we speak to people about sin? And there's a way to do it. I'm not saying you go and start hitting people over the head and tell them you're a sinner, but you need to, if they ask you, You need to be able to answer that question and say, hey, in Scripture it says this is what God's Word says. Now, I know that may infuriate you or that may upset you, but this is what God's Word said. You have to trust. Like at that point, they don't want to talk to you no more. Please trust that point to say, you know what? God will move them into obedience or disobedience. They're either going to choose to follow Christ at that moment or it's going to be a little bit, you know, it's just not going to happen. But you need to be able to tell them this is what the Word of God says. Bring them to God's Word. And, and you know, if they get upset, they're not getting upset at you. You, get, you need to remember that. If they get upset, it's God's Word. It's, it's His Word. I want I, I to be, I be obedient too. And I, I'm, I know that I was a sinner, but it wasn't until I, I sat down and I realized, man, I really was a sinner. And I needed repentance. So are we proclaiming the good news? Are we talking to people about repentance? We we can't entertain them. We can't entice them. Stop trying to be woke. Now you need to put that to sleep. You need to be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to end it. Because if I, I'll i keep going if I keep going. Because I that's driving me crazy. I see so many people in the church trying to be woke or trying to be... But you need to be sticking with teaching the Word of God. Just stick with that. And and forgiveness of sins. Uh, That's the most important thing that we can teach, is God's Word. And let God's Word do what God's Word needs to do in that person. But don't be afraid to tell them, hey, this is, you know, I love you, but this is what the Word says. And and it's your choice whether you're going to follow that or not. Trust me, look, it hurts me just as much when I... I would love for my nieces to walk away from what they're doing, but it's going to be a choice that God puts on their heart, that knocking that happens. You know, we just got to keep praying. The good thing is, is they're, you know, one of them is actually trying to be in the Word. Eventually, God's going to convict them, you know, if they're, they're reading it. And so we just got to continue to keep praying that, that God moves in their hearts. And I know that many of us have people in our lives that we have that, uh, that we know are in sinful behaviors, whether it's addictions of alcohol or drugs or whatever. But God can God can definitely that's why that's why I love this is like just repent. Just repent. Don't hang on to that sin any longer. Let it go. Give it over to God. And know who Jesus is. If you're following, maybe you're watching this and you're following Jehovah's Witness or you're following Mormons, or you're following the, the Islam, you need to actually ask who Jesus is because when you read the Word of God, you find out who He is. You need to ask why did they eliminate the, cruc- the crucifixion? Why did they not have the birth of Mary? Why did they, why do they believe that He's a created being? You need to be able to answer those questions because they're all false teachings. And next week we're going to talk about reincarnation because we have to because of the Scripture. And so we're going to talk about how, what a hoax that is and how that's being taught. And so uh, let's pray, and we'll go ahead and close up there. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for today. I do pray and just ask. This is a heavy topic, and I'm, I get excited. I'm sorry, Lord. Um, but I do pray. Maybe there's somebody here that's listening uh, that needs to repent. And we just give them that time, Lord, that you move in their heart that they just go to you and just ask for forgiveness Uh, we know that you love each one of us that you sent your son to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of our sins it's not the eternal life part it's it's the forgiveness of sins and then we get the free gift of eternal life and and so i pray lord i i just ask that you just do a mighty work in each of our lives and you know, we we all have sins that we have done, and and the it says in scripture that you cast them as far as the east to the west when we repent of them, when we turn away from them. And so I just pray, Lord, that you just continue to work in each of our hearts. And um, and I pray we get away from entertaining, we get away from trying to be woke, we get away from trying to uh, to to slip the gospel in and 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 have all this stuff. That we just get back to teaching the word. That's what we need to do. We just need to be teaching the Word. And so thank you, Lord, for, for this day. Thank you for the Scripture. Thank you that you are the Son of God, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, we just lift up this day to you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, Wednesday, uh, 7 p.m. Wednesday, will be in Nehemiah chapter 3. We'll pick up in verse 16. And hope to see you there. If you need to get a hold of me, remember you can do all that stuff at calvarydivine.org. It has phone number, email, all that stuff. God bless you. We'll see you later. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.